that was a lot of fun. <laughs> like, that was probably the best win of the year. My favorite win of the year. And um, it was it was a lot of fun. That's now two consecutive, sh- uh, not just two straight wins, but two huge wins. Just last night had this big-time playoff feel. And, you know, it was Knicks-Celtics. It's an old, you know, the oldest rivalry in the book. The two OG teams, biggest rivalry, national TV game. You know, it was a long, physical game. Tight basically the entire way. And I really, really, really wanted this win for a few reasons. Um, First off, I, I just hate this. I hate Boston sports. Anything Boston sports, I hate. Maybe that derives originally from my uh, Yankee fandom, but uh, not just the Red Sox, man. I hate the Celtics. I hate the Patriots. I hate anything Boston, um, except for Bill Burr. Um, and I just, I just, I hate how they call their toy arena that looks like it's like 1960s in there. The Garden. I hate how they call it the Garden. They're stupid fans. And you know every time these Boston fans call it the Garden, they think of MSG in their mind. You know they just it just comes into their mind because that's what the Garden is. It's 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 MSG. It's not it's not um you know the bank. But um I also I really needed this win because the last thing I wanted to hear was the garbage on TNT if the Knicks blew this game. You know, between Reggie Miller, uh, obviously Charles Barkley and, and Shaq on the post-game panel. I just, I did not need that. And I'm big fans of them. I think they have a wonderful show. It's, you know, I, I rave about that show all the time. But I'm just happy the Knicks were able to at least halt that little narrative of theirs for the night. Um, but it wasn't easy. You know, early on it was tough to watch. The Knicks play defense, um, and and I want to talk about all of that. So let's get to our intro, and we'll get to this game right away. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, turning, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Time! To the tree, creates... And showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Oh, 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 oh. Yankees win! Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Episode 471 of BD4. Thanks for stopping by and tuning into the podcast. What a win last night, man. The Knicks pull away from the Celtics in an overtime victory. And that was everything I needed. Um, like I said at the very top, it was not easy. Uh, the Knicks' defense looked pretty bad out the gate. It was tough to watch. Uh, the Knicks were dropping off the arc, you know, scheming their usual game plan. 
but it was not working this time. The Celtics just wouldn't miss a single three-pointer, it felt like. All were pretty open looks, too. Um, and Tibbs just wouldn't make the adjustments yet. He'd keep with it, stubborn as usual. But then Randall gets hot for 14 points in the opening frame, like he usually does to open up these games. Um, second quarter, it's it's Brunson. It's quickly on fire. They were going. The bench looked good. And the Knicks entered the half down just three points. Third quarter, Brunson would not miss a shot. Randall began to heat up again. Um, and I feel like Randall, if I were to dive into his scoring numbers quarter by quarter, it would definitely be the first quarter and the third quarter where he scores the most. Uh, and he was good in the third quarter. Anyways, a good third quarter from the Knicks. Uh, and then the fourth quarter, you know, it was tough. But the Knicks bench starts chipping in some more. I mean, you just got you got a little bit of everything from everybody on that second unit. Quickly, the floater through contact. Obi, that little sidestep move from the corner for a three-pointer. Deuce McBride knocking down some free throws. We'll talk on his defense. Um, Hartenstein, another big tip-in play. But it wasn't an easy period, obviously. Uh, Despite being up 13 points or so with, I would say, seven minutes to play, the Celtics made themselves a big run. And, you know, anybody with a brain isn't thinking the game is over at that point either. You know, it's 13-point lead with seven minutes to go. That's, in today's game, That's it's never in the bag. This is the Eastern Conference best ball club we're playing up against here in the Celtics. They had just made the finals the year prior. It's modern NBA. We say this all the time with the amount of possessions, the three-point ball, and the amount of switches you see today. A 12-point lead is basically a six-point lead now. Right, so I was not comfortable, um, especially given we've seen the Knicks blow some leads this year. But anyways, the game was eventually tied at 110-110 when uh, Tatum drives on Randall. I didn't like that switch. You know, I thought Grimes should have stuck with him on that screen up top. But nonetheless, I guess, you know, Tibbs wanted size there. So he puts Randall on him, but, you know, going with size ends up biting us as Tatum drives right by Julius for the right-handed finish, and the game is tied 1-10 all with 50 seconds to go. Then you get the big Quentin Grimes miss on the next Knicks possession, which would have put us up three. After that, Tatum grabs the board. Uh, he eventually takes the fadeaway jumper to try and win it. It does not drop. However... You know, still with a few seconds ticking, Rob Williams gets the rebound, but this time it's Jericho Sims with the big play of the night for the Knicks, blocking the shot on that second jump after he initially misses the board. And with that big block, the buzzer sounds, and the game goes to overtime. And in overtime, it's basically Randall and Barrett carrying the Knicks home with some key makes, RJ the huge three, Randall, a big three-pointer himself. Both of them make some tough free throws at the very end. And once again, with a chance to win it on the final play, Boston comes up short because this time it's Jalen Brunson making a key block on the perimeter up against, uh, I think it was Malcolm Brogdon. And so with that, the Knicks win a 
very nail-biting game. 120 to 117 at the fake garden. Humongous. Such a thriller. And again, I, I think this was my favorite win of the year for the Knicks. Um just so much excitement. You know, it was a it was a Thursday night. Just I, I, it's hard to find the word, but it was it's I had so much excitement watching that Pacers game on the Friday before, you know, a week ago or so. This like doubled that. I was it, it, every time we play Boston, it's always a tight game and it's usually going to OT. You know, and, and these are games that you'll start to see the Knicks, I, I think you're going to start to see them win a little more of them now because they're kind of learning and growing and they've gotten so used to being in these high-leverage moments, these high-pressure games, and they've experienced both heartbreaks and, and big-time wins in these spots that it might kind of help them become more immune to the pressure, you know? Um, just become less affected by the moment and just become more composed and you could see some things starting to come together with some of them, right? You, they, they seem to have a better understanding of each other on the floor, a good chemistry. Some of these guys have been playing together for a few years now. So it, it looks like it's 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 going pretty well, man. This was huge. You know, the Knicks are now 27-23 and 23 through 50 games. They're a half game out of the seven spot, depending on what Miami does tonight. Now, obviously, as you are listening to the show, Miami game is... That game is probably finished. Um, it is January 27th on a Friday as I record. This one should be out the night of the 27th or uh, early morning on the 28th. But, um, and they're, they're, like I said, they're exactly what the Knicks are supposed to be right now. They're, they're exactly what I expected with what they have. They're around 500 and they're fighting for a playoff spot, you know, slash play in right now. Um, so I, I enjoyed the win very much and I want to get to some certain things. I want to, I want to give my praise and everything. Um, I, I do want to get the bad out of the way first. Um, there's really only one thing I, I was frustrated with last night in a vacuum. So before we start singing praises and, and we will, I promise, let me just complain, you know, uh, about this ISO shit first. Okay. Um, because once again, the Knicks didn't really move the ball well. Uh, they had 17 total assists last night, just three of them in the fourth quarter. So, uh, you know, I, I think the NBA average for assists in a game is 25, give or take. They had three in the fourth. So if you do three every quarter, that's 12. <laughs> so that just tells you how badly they were going. Like, so, it, it, and, you know, this, that... Said those 17 total assists were in a game that went to OT and in a game where the Knicks knocked down 44 shots. So it's, you know, not, not pretty. Um, and I know that's not just going to magically change. This is their offense and it has improved, uh, this year. So it's pretty pointless to complain about, but this is a podcast. So I'm going to express my frustration about it and, and make some observations as a fan, right? And you saw it again um, in the final, you know, five or so minutes of the fourth quarter where they're just, they're running ISO in the half court. 
You know, and it was odd because uh, Celtics head coach Joe Mazzola didn't start doubling until later. He just kept letting Randall and Brunson cook in single coverage. But in the final five minutes, you finally saw it. Brown would pick up Brunson at half court. You know, they started blitzing the pick and roll. Um, Randall was getting trapped high. And the Knicks weren't really swinging out of it. You know, I, I was particularly particularly frustrated with Brunson as the point guard. Kind of relying way too much on the one-on-one. And not trusting his teammates nearly enough. Um, specifically, as Quentin Grimes. And we've talked about it. You know, and I understand that Quentin Grimes did miss two or three big-time three-point looks in the fourth quarter and overtime. I get that. As a knockdown shooter, you must be ready at any moment, and you have to connect on those. I get it. But it still is a bit frustrating to me that in a league like today's NBA, with how valuable the three-point shot has become, that Quentin Grimes again, their best shooter, had just four field goal attempts entering the final minutes of the fourth quarter last night. And it wasn't like he was missing at that point. He was shooting two for four up until he took a shot late fourth. Even when Boston was in single coverage, which again was most of the night, it was Randall and Brunson playing patty cake. So I just get a little frustrated by that. You know, it's always those two late in the game and everyone else, if they're lucky, will get a shot off every five or six possessions. You know, I look up at the box score at the end of the game and I see that Randall and Brunson took 50 shots between the two. I know they made them, but not Brunson at the end. He, he missed six of his final seven shots. So they got all 50 shots together, them two, while Grimes finishes with seven shots, I think, overall. I, you know, I, I didn't like that, man. I just feel like you got to utilize the guy. And for that matter, matter uh, uh, Jericho Sims, who makes everything he takes down in the restricted area, he finished with just one field goal attempt the entire night in a season-high minutes played so I just don't think it's the best way to run offense I think Thibodeau needs to find a better shot diet for these guys a better game plan offensively now that we've got some depth on this roster at least in the starting lineup now you know it just doesn't seem normal that your best three-point shooter takes seven shots in a 53-minute game in 2023 right but that's that's the only thing I'm really going to complain about tonight. Uh, I have some nitpicks here and there, but I really, I just wanted to get that out of the way before we dive into the uh, you know the flowers and, and the sunshine shit and, and the you know all the positives. But um, that's just my quick take on that. You know we've talked about the fourth quarter offense a lot, so I don't want to drag it on uh, any further. But let's head to break, and when we get back. I'll hand out a, a game ball to uh, to one of the starters on this team last night, and I'm pretty sure you know who's getting that. We'll get to it when we get back. Stay with us. Be right back. Hey, guys. So if you are a listener of the podcast often and you want to know where to find me on social media, 
You can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify. But you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Let's hand out our first award of the game. It's got to go to Julius Randle, man. He gets the bing-bong ball amongst the starters last night. Bing-bong! I mean, how do you not? He was phenomenal. Uh, 37 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists. 13 of 25 shooting, 5 of 13 from 3, 6 of 7 from the free throw line, and 37 minutes. He, it just looked like from the get-go he proved, he wanted to prove himself as an all-star. You know, they named the uh, starters last night on TNT. It looked like he was out to prove himself that he deserves to be on that roster. Uh, it's going to be tough. That The East is stacked this year. Individually and as a team, like there's some good talent, some good teams. Um, but he had a tough matchup last night, and he took advantage of it nonetheless. He wanted to show the world who he was, um, show the world that he's an all-star. And I thought he did everything he could. Um, you know, starts off early with a couple of three points, a uh, few more three-pointers in the second half. The dunks, my gosh. Uh, some annoying ISO moments late, but, you know, I actually thought as a whole he was very clutch. Um, you know, it was actually one of the very few games where Brunson was totally off in crunch time while Randall became the guy the Knicks fed. Right? Randall had nine points uh, between fourth quarter and overtime on three of seven shooting and two of two on his free throws, while Brunson had two points in that span on one of seven shooting. And we'll talk about that in a second. But Randall was just making huge shot after huge shot. Um, you know, with three minutes and change in the fourth quarter, he's got Brown on him in single coverage, and he pulls off this very smooth one dribble pull-up on the right elbow to put the Knicks up eight. A little bit later, with two minutes and change to go, he cleans up a Brunson miss, kind of probes the paint a little bit, goes in and out, and then steps into the paint and knocks down this mini fallback jumper over Al Horford to put them up eight again. Uh, and then he shows up in the overtime period with 2.45 remaining, and the Knicks down five points. It's a big spot. Brunson finds him for an elbow three, and I believe this puts the Knicks up two points. Well, I'm sorry, it brings them within three. It brings the Knicks within two points. Uh, and then a few minutes later, after RJ knocks down that big three, you know, then you know you had the blow by layup from from Brown on RJ. Boston's up one point, but Randall has the ball in the next possession. He drives right on Williams, draws contact on the pass. The Knicks are in the penalty, or the, or the Celtics are in the penalty. So Randall gets to the line. Knocks down both free throws this time, which I think shook everybody because we know he has missed 
quite a few in his Knicks tenure. Um, and those that were those were the uh, the key ones, man. And that's how the Knicks won. But he was tr- tremendous last night, and he, he just he just looks so much better. Um, you know, we we've been talking about all year how his 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 game is is very mental, and this year he looks like he's in a better spot between the years. Um, you know, he's mentioned that he's he's on a better diet. That can change your mood drastically, and and he looks better. We we talked about it at the beginning of the season. He looked like he came into camp very very slim, and um, I was looking at his numbers this morning, and and you can make a case that he's having a better season that he did during the COVID year two years ago. Uh, and I think a big reason for it is he's still shooting the three well, not as good, but it's the two point shot. It's those two point shots that have helped him take that leap this season. He is 55% on his twos. That's got to be a career high. Um, and so I was digging into those numbers. And I found out that last year, Randall shot the mid-range 33%. Pretty below average, I would say. Um, and this year, he's shooting the mid-range 37%, which is a lot better. But I was looking at the restricted area numbers, and that's where you see the big difference. Down low, in the semicircle. Randall was only 59% last year, which for a big body like him, it's a little underwhelming. But this year, that number has jumped up to 67% in the restricted area. And you can see it, right? When you're watching these games, he play, he's been playing above the rim like more these last few weeks. It wasn't just last night. We've seen some vicious crossover dunks, you know, some posters, man. Um... But it's not just the dunks; it's those second effort layups that are that are, he's not giving up on, right? You can just see the energy. You know, we we mentioned those second effort tip ins at least twice a night because he's always doing it. The finishing, the offensive rebounding, the fouls he draws in traffic down there, the hustle, the defense has been better. It's just been much better, and I think that starts mentally. He's in a much better place mentally. Um, Madison Square Garden. Seems to be very happy for him. And that should say something to those Snowflake fan bases who criticize New York City fans for being too mean. We don't do it for no reason, you know. And and we're not going to boo you if you're putting up. And why do you think he's getting MVP chance now from Knicks fans? Obviously last night they were in Boston. But if you do it well, if you put in effort and you try hard and you're not putting up thumbs down to your fan base we're gonna we're gonna give you your props we don't do it for no it's not like the Knicks fans were the one who the Knicks didn't boo him last year for no freaking reason I don't want to even get into this it was him that caused the Knicks fans to do that and then he responded you know but this year he's playing well He's putting in effort on both ends of the floor. And so the Knicks fans are rewarding him. They're cheering for him. We're happy for him. You know? And you're going to see fans call us hypocrites. Well, it's a lose-lose for us then. Because if we were still booing him, then you guys would would shit on us more. Like, we're going to give the guy credit when he deserves it. And he's been playing really, really good basketball this year. And I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. I am. You know I'm not the biggest Randall fan, but I will be happy for him when he deserves it. And the guy deserves it. You know? It wouldn't be right to give, to not give him his credit. And I, and you gotta credit Jalen Brunson for really helping get the best of Julius this year too, right? We're seeing less point forward bullshit. You know, still a decent amount of it, but it's much more composed. And 
he's sharing the ball with Brunson and he's not turning it over four, five, six times a night doing that hurricane move down the middle of the paint. Right. And, and speaking of Brunson, uh, we'll, we'll shift over to him. Let's talk about Jalen Brunson because I thought for the most part last night, Jalen Brunson was pretty good too. Um, scored 29 points, four rebounds, seven assists, couple blocks, turnover, 12 of 25 shooting and 40 minutes played. Derek White is is no joke. He's a strong defensive player, but Brunson put him to work. He got to his spots, which is all three levels on the floor, um, and, and he made them all count. You know, he didn't hit many shots in crunch time, um, but the one shot he did make in an early fourth quarter, it was in typical Brunson fashion. It was it was like eight or so minutes left in the fourth. McBride had just missed the three. Um, the Knicks call timeout. Right out the timeout, Boston gets the ball. They knock down a three-point look of their own. That cuts the game to 10. Brunson gets it on the next Knicks possession. He stops on a dime and pulls up on White for a mid-range jumper and puts the Knicks up 12 again. So, I I thought he played good, man. Um, But, yeah, he definitely did have tough moments down the stretch. You know, when Boston started trapping up top, um, he was, again, one of seven in the final two frames. He had a bad foul, um, bad turnover late, uh, a bad miss with the Knicks up two to give it back to Boston with less than two minutes left in the fourth. A um, couple misses in overtime. But I don't, wanna, I don't want to nitpick too much because, you know, we kind of already talked on it. And I, I, just, I just wish he played a little more point guard down the stretch. You know, but I get it. It's how we run offense again, and it's worked this year to a degree. Uh, I just don't know that that's a sustainable way to get your offense going forward, but we'll see. Nonetheless, it was a strong game from Jalen Brunson, uh, who remains their most consistent player this year. But let's get to break, and uh, when we return from break, I want to talk a little more about the defense because I thought that deserves a shout-out as well last night. Be right back. Stay with us. Be back in a few seconds. We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to bd4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to bd4blog.com. All right, welcome back to the show. Welcome back. Episode 470 of the podcast. I am your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening. I'm sorry, 471. You are listening to episode 471. Of the show, so I thought the defense was good um, to play five periods of basketball and to still hold the team two points above league average. I'm pretty sure the average is 115 this year for points. It's good defense, and even after like I know Boston shot okay from three in the game, but I think after the first quarter, the Knicks did a very nice job containing them. And just played solid defense overall. I think Tibbs adjusted. And he had them start to press up on the perimeter. And we saw a lot more switching than we usually do. Intended switches too. It was planned. But yeah, Boston shot 60% from three in the first quarter. But after that, the rest of the way, from the second all the way to overtime, they were 26% on threes. In overtime, they were actually one for seven. They just started chucking up desperate prayers. Um, and so credit to the defense and credit to the big men 
playing the drop coverage very well once again. Uh, it was ugly. The first game that Mitch left, the first couple games, it was pretty ugly, um, especially that Hawks game. But I, I got to give credit to them. They're, they're, it seems like they're finding a chemistry. Um, Hartenstein thought he had a good game last night. Three assists, six rebounds, a block. Another solid one. Uh, the passing, it's, it's man, we talk about it. It's always been in him. The playmaker, if you watched him with the Clippers and with Cleveland a little bit too, it's been there. But I think lately, Tibbs is really optimizing Hartenstein's playmaking abilities with that second unit. You know, we see him up top now making passes, and it's not just in the half court. A lot of those are outlet passes. He had one to RJ last night. He had a couple. Uh, he's screening off defenders to open up looks for shooters in the, in the dribble handoff. It's good to see him utilized in that offense. And, of course, his defense. Last couple of nights in drop coverage, it's been pretty quality, man. He didn't drop too far back last night. He trusted his help defenders. He contested and rotated over when he needed to. You know, a little over-eager early on with the two quick fouls, but he found it. And I just think he's been buying into Tibbs' philosophy lately. And it might be because he felt the heat coming. Right before the Robinson injury... There were a couple games there where he was starting to see a minutes reduction. A lot of criticism from the fans, myself included. Um, so maybe he's kind of recognized that, you know, that he was on his final legs and he just, you know, back was against the wall and now he's got to perform and, he, and he's playing pretty well. Um, and Jericho Sims, <laughs> 14 rebounds and a block. Great game from him last night. And, you know, I'm not too shocked to see Jericho play well last night because... Um, first of all, I, I, I predicted it because I feel like he always plays well on national TV. Um, if there's a way to find the numbers for that, I would like to see what his like rebounding and block numbers are. But also, Robert Williams is is a perfect size matchup for someone like Jericho, and I thought he did nice on him. I, I thought, you know, there were some moments for sure. Um, especially late where he got outboxed and allowed some offensive rebounds. Uh, you had Tatum even snatch one away from him. Uh, Rob Williams a couple of times. And in the overtime period, you know, on that one Tatum miss, Sims didn't really position himself well for the box out. And you had Al Horford come into the restricted area and steal the offensive rebound right from him. And that shouldn't happen from a starting center. You you, you got to be down there. You got to be aggressive. You got to position yourself for the rebound. Um, but overall, he did have 14 of them, and they were some key ones in there. He had a massive offensive rebound over Robert Williams in the overtime period um, when the game was tied. And of course, defensively, he had that tremendous block to obviously save the game and send it to OT. Right? He he. He was just good. His defense, he was just positioning himself well in the drop coverage. He's still learning it, but you can see the improvement lately. Um, so I thought he was key. And I just feel like he's not being talked enough, talked about enough. Like, he's a good young player. He's a good rebounder, man. You know, if he can get consistent minutes, there is no reason to believe that with his size and, and leaping ability that he can't give you at least 7 to 10 rebounds a night and for a backup big man who is 6'9 6'10 that's not bad at all I will take that last night was actually his 10th game of the year where he got 20 plus minutes 
He played a season-high 36. And he's averaging eight rebounds in that span. So, he was good. Overall, I loved the effort defensively. I liked the adjustments that Thibodeau made. Pressing up on the perimeter. The switch-all defense on the ball screens. It was good. Um, Go back to the offense. um, In the starting lineup, R.J. Barrett did struggle. Uh, 19 points, 6 of 18 shooting, 1 assist. Um, he also got worked a little bit defensively. Yeah, yeah, that that Jalen Brown blow-by in crunch time was tough to watch on the baseline. Um, you know, He had to switch over onto Tatum a lot too. Um, he did have a couple nice stops. Um, but offensively, he was missing everything inside last night. Boston's got a lot of length that disrupted him. Forced a lot of misses on those little off-balance runners that he likes to throw up, fading away. And, you know, he did have that Shaq in a fool moment where he threw that layup up, like, way too high. But, again, he he came through in the big spots. Excuse me. He came through in the big spots with the uh, the three-point look and the corner, you know, in that, in that, on that 30-second mark, and um, some big free throws in both the fourth and overtime. And he's hit some clutch shots for the Knicks, man. R.J. Barrett has hit some big shots. Let's let's not forget that. You know, he's... He has knocked down 18. I have it up here on the screen. He has knocked down 18 of 22 free throws in crunch time this year. Um, and again, crunch time is the last five minutes of a five-point game. 18 of 22. Um, and with the three-point dagger that he had last night, he's now three out of five in the last 30 seconds of a three-point game, while also going six of six on the foul line in those spots. And that was his second big-ass shot against Boston. You remember the game winner he had last year off the glass, also on TNT. So I'm happy for him. Um, kind of getting a knack. For hitting some big spots in the clutch. That was a problem for him in his first two years. He was not very clutch. But the last two seasons, you're starting to see some moments. Piling up some moments on his resume. He's got those those milestones now. You know, anyways, I, I thought he was good in the end. You know, it wasn't a good overall game, but I thought he salvaged it with the big shots. Um, and I thought overall, you go back to the bench, they were a huge reason for this win. Um, maybe the biggest reason. You know, they're starting to, to step up lately. Some sensational two-way play. Uh, quickly, uh, I guess we'll get to him right now as quickly was uh, he's going to be our other game ball winner uh, as, as he performed exceptionally well off the bench once again. Emmanuel quickly gets a game ball. Bing bang. He had 17 points last night, quickly did. Five rebounds, one assist, uh, one steal. Shot 7-12, 2-3 from three. He moved the ball well despite the one assist. I thought he moved it well when he was running the offense in the second quarter. Getting out on the break again, playing hard perimeter defense. He did you know, he did get into some mismatches with, with Brown. There was that one drive where Brown just muscled him to the rim. But overall, I did like his defense. Um, he continues to rebound. Uh, but, of course, the, the scoring punch that he brings 
that microwave get hot in seconds type of scoring was just huge for the Knicks in the second quarter. You know, I, you can see him starting to become a very consistent option on this team. Um, in terms of just giving you production on a nightly basis, he's become pretty consistent. And that was one of the things we were complaining about most, you know, for, for a good chunk of the year and for his career. He's been very streaky. But in his last 12 games, he's shot below 40% just one time. In his last 19 games, he's been in double figures points in all of them except for one, which was when he scored nine against Cleveland the other day. He's given you points, rebounds, assists, the defense, and you can see that his play, he's starting to instill some more faith in Thibodeau. Earlier in the season, Quickly wasn't getting these kinds of minutes. It took him until game 19 of the season against Portland to earn his first 30-minute game. Now you're seeing that, you know, almost on a nightly basis. He's getting 25 to 35, right? And he's in a lot of these closing lineups too. Last night, he played over R.J. Barrett down the stretch of the fourth quarter. So Thibodeau has, has, again, when you play hard defense and you play aggressive, Thibodeau will reward you. And I'm noticing lately that with Quickly, he's much more under control. and He's not playing recklessly. He is, he is you know, a tendency to do that. From time to time. But I think a big reason for that lately is he's cutting down the three-point chucking. Not seeing the dumb heat checks. Um, That's now three games in a row where he has not taken more than three threes. And in five of his last seven, he's taken four threes or less. He's much more composed out there. He's working the mid-range game. He obviously loves the floater, but he's also a very underrated finisher at the rim. So I'm liking what I saw from Quickly last night off the bench. I really enjoyed what I saw from Deuce McBride uh, defensively. He had two assists, three steals, a couple points. Listen, he's never going to score you points. And I still think, I still wish that Deuce would give you more offensive production if, if he's going to take 12 minutes from someone every night. But who is, you know, who is there to fill in? Because the Knicks don't have reserve depth. Um, and I do think that last night, despite the scoring remaining the same, he earned every bit of his minutes. Because if you want to see defense, go watch him. Watch the film from last night. He played exceptionally well on that side of the floor. Um, he picked up three steals in the limited minutes he played. He was fighting over screens. That one screen that Rob Williams set on him, where he ends up fighting through it, and forcing the turnover, throws the fast break time to quickly, was just the epitome of, of the point of attack defender that you want to have on every team. You know, he's out there hedging over to slashers on the drive. It's really impressive. Um, I, you know, I was a little concerned to see how he'd do on, on good players like Pritchard and Brogdon, but I thought he held his own. I thought he was good. And he's been getting some praise this year from, from a few big names, right? Um, a few weeks back, about a month or so ago, you had J.J. Redick praising his point of attack defense on his podcast. Um, and then last night, you heard Reggie Miller talking him up throughout the game. You know, And you know, for, you know, for as much as I criticize his lack of scoring, he made his few points last night count by cashing in on, the, on that free throw line um, with eight minutes left, extending that lead to 13 points. That was huge. Um, 
So I thought he was good. Uh, Hartenstein, we spoke on him. Even Obi Toppin, five points in 16 minutes. He knocked down some key shots, flashing some moves with these shots he's made too. Like that, uh, we talked about the sidestep three in the corner. Uh, but earlier in the game, he went behind the back on that transition lay-in. That was nice. And I thought he played decent defense. I did. Uh, but yeah, overall, the bench team was pretty productive. We talked about it last episode, how I think the NBA average points per game from a bench this year is 35. But the Knicks do run a four-man set, and they ended up scoring 28. So job well done. And it was a big second quarter and fourth quarter for them in particular. And, you know, we give props to Tibbs for adjusting on defense. And I also want to point out that I thought Tibbs distributed the minutes very well last night, too. Uh, this was an overtime game, and you didn't see any you know anybody play 45-plus minutes, right? If you look at the box score, it was pretty evenly distributed. He trusted his bench in the second and fourth quarter, he let them cook. You know, I thought he also used his timeouts pretty effectively too, which is something he can get criticized on from time to time. Um, but yeah, it was it was good overall. It was a big win for the Knicks. Going inside to Boston's home in overtime, taking care of business in front of the world to see on TNT. Now you got to move forward. You got the Jersey Boys up next. It's in Brooklyn in front of all 12 of their daunting 12-year-old fans. So, see what you can do. Kyrie's on a heater right now. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure this is another national TV game, if I'm correct. I think it's an ABC ESPN game. Um, but I want to, you know, the Nets do play small. So, I'm kind of hoping the Knicks can do more of a Sims Obi out there. I think that that'd be a very unique fast pace athletic lineup combo and we should use that more depending on certain matchups and I think that Saturday night could be one of those one of those matchups where we could do that and get away with it but um yeah it, it was a big win um, I'm excited for this Nets game because you know I, I hate them almost just as much <laughs> so uh, good win for the Knicks and we'll wrap this shit up when we get back from break, we'll get to our parlay we had last night. We had two. And then we'll talk about, uh, and we'll get to our uh, trivia, and that'll be that. Stay with us. Be right there. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Welcome to episode 471. Let's wrap this up with our parlay, and then we'll get to our trivia from there, and that'll be that.
Welcome to RJ's Parlay, where my degenerate self breaks down tonight's big parlay. If I hit, I'm sorry, if I miss, I always fuck this up. If I miss, it's not surprising. If I hit, I'll probably lose it all tomorrow night. Because that's how this works. Welcome to RJ's Parlay, episode 471. We had two parlays last night. Our first one was a plus 529 six picker where we had the Knicks covering the eight and a half spread plus eight and a half. We had the over 221 and a half. We had Randall for 20 points, Brunson for 17, Barrett for 14, and Grimes to knock down two triples. I hit five out of six. So frustrating. The only one I missed was Quentin Grimes knocking down two triples. And maybe that's why I went on that five-minute, ten-minute rant about him not getting enough touches. Maybe I just I just wanted my money. So that was our first parlay that we did not hit on. And we also, of course, missed on this second one. It was a five-pick plus 217 parlay. We have the Knicks covering the plus 20-and-a-half alternate spread. Randall scoring 20 points. Barrett scoring 15 Brunson diming out four assists, and Grimes knocking down two threes. And again, I hit on every one, but the Grimes two three-pointers made. So, 0 for 2 last night, not a shocker. I did win. Uh, I, I didn't put this one in there because it was a straight bet. I did pick the money line for the Knicks, and we got that. And we won a pretty sizable amount, at least for me. <laughs> but um, let's wrap this up with our trivia, and that'll be that. Alright, so this episode, our 471, episode 471 trivia, our NYYNYK MMA trivia question of the day is, how many Rookie of the Year winners do the Knicks have in their franchise's history? Name them. How many Rookie of the Year winners do the Knicks have in their franchise's history? Name them. Alright, so let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout out in the next show. How many Rookie of the Year winners do the Knicks have in their franchise's history? Name them. That is it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll see you guys in 472 when the Knicks take on the Jersey Boys. Hopefully we get to win. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.